Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the 24th episode of A Girl Like Me Live. This is the Well Project's interactive live streaming series, which advances health and wellness discussions and education among women living with and vulnerable to HIV. Monthly, I, CC, will sit down with different co-hosts and talk about key topics in our communities. In today's episode, which I'm really, really excited about, I'm always excited, but I'm super excited about this one. We have Aisha, Scott, and Kim Kennedy, and we'll be talking teens, um, talking to teens about HIV and HIV prevention. I want to insert it right now. Although it says teens in the title, we understand that this conversation should and could happen a lot earlier than the age frame. I um, want to welcome both of our two women who are community advisory board members as well to this conversation. And I'm going to ask that you both introduce yourself with any affiliation affiliations, and then we're just going to jump into the conversation. Kim. Hey, I'm Kim. I felt like we was playing hopscotch. Um, I'm Kim, Kimberly Kennedy. Um, everybody calls me Kim. Um, living with HIV since birth. Um, I work basically everywhere with everyone, um, teaching sex education, um, mostly focused on reproductive health. So, yeah, that's that's me. And hello, everyone. I am Aisha Scott, a public and motivational speaker, health educator, mentor, peer, and support group facilitator based in Broward County. I currently work for PWN, Positive Women's Network, which is a membership body of women and people of trans experience that are interested in movement building, intersection of policies, and pretty much all things women. So, hey everyone, <laughs> I hope I did good with that bio. <laughs> oh, y'all sound like y'all be doing a lot. <laughs> and y'all are here today to talk about talking to teens about HIV. So, like, j just jumping in, when are you supposed to have this conversation? When is too early? Like, what, how, you can speak from a professional space or a personal space. How'd you do it with your kids? Uh, I guess I'll start. Um, so if we, so I think, for okay. So for me, it goes both ways where I think, I think it really starts young. So I have a 12 year old. So I started with the conversation about sex early. And it wasn't just sex like, oh, penis and vagina. It was, if you don't want somebody to be in your face, it's okay to say no. And I think just with talking about consent and breaking that down um, to our children, it's it starts at a young age. And then let him know that his penis is not called a stick or just like a wee-wee. It's called your penis. And, you know, mommy has a vagina. And that's how I build up with my child. And I do that the same when it comes to going into schools and talking about sex ed is the same thing where it starts, people think of sex as such a broad thing, but it really can start at just consent and permission and allowing a child to make that informed decision to not allow people to, they don't have to hug you and touch you if they don't want to, so. I would honestly say same as Kim. I 
mirror that with my daughter. I started very young with my 15 year old, my five year old, we're having those same conversations now and have been having those conversations even probably as young as two. And for me, it's more important because of my own experiences and what I had dealt with as a child. So I wanted to make sure my children, again, like Kim said, know the correct words for uh, their bodily anatomy and yeah, and that they they know that they have full control over their their body parts. Yeah, I love that y'all are saying it because as I'm thinking, like listening to y'all talk, it isn't like it's explicit sexual education or HIV prevention. But I think of those conversations I had with my own son concerning like has anyone touched you? Um, do you know, like, you can come back and you can tell me, did anyone make you touch them? Like, just having those open lines of communication, because as Aisha just mentioned, you know, when you have a childhood experience, that kind of, like, that you don't want your child to have to go through themselves, you kind of, I feel myself jumping out in front of it, like, I don't know if I didn't feel like I didn't feel safe enough to go to someone, but I'm going to make sure that this one, yeah. these two know that they have a safe space and that we're going to address these things. So, you know, I love what um, Olivia, she just was saying that the consent piece is so huge, even with the little kids. They didn't realize it. And it was, and when I was in therapy, she was saying how, you know, we tell these kids, you know, if someone was touching them inappropriately, but it feels good. And what do you do with those feelings of when you're being touched and, you know, these things are being done and it feels good? What do you do with it? You know, so I don't know. There's, is Parenting is hard. Talking to these kids is hard. And sometimes <laughs> I feel like they're not listening, but have your kids ever confirmed for you? Any other child ever confirmed or validated that they were listening? Oh, so, so my kid is, he's very spirited. Um, he's very much me. Um, he is the perfect combination of me and my husband. And I remember him being about five and him saying, my, pe my penis hurt, my penis hurt. And somebody else is, like saying, oh my God, he can't say that. So now it's me and him going back and forth. Like, your penis? And he's like, my penis. And I'm like, your penis? And then he's like, yes, mommy, my penis. I said, you sure? Your penis. And then like, we're just going louder and louder because we saw that everybody else felt uncomfortable. And I think for me, it was like, okay. So me instilling this into him saying that, you know, these are like my actual body parts or even just him like listening to a conversation where during the pandemic I was teaching my old students and he repeating certain stuff where he's telling me like, oh, so I know that when you put in a condom, you do this. And it's like my heart sunk because I, I don't want to have that conversation, but we already had the conversation. Like, I don't want to know you're, you're doing it, but I want to know you're doing it. So when he says little things or if I see little things, it's one of those heart sunken moments, but I know that he he has the information and he repeats it and it's the right information, not just the, the information that you hear between other kids. And he'll even come and ask, like somebody was talking about porn in third grade and he's like, what's porn? And I'm like, 
<laughs> Jesus, Lord, not now. And then it's having that conversation about, you know, porn is entertainment. It's not real. And this is what this is. And this is what sex is. And, you know, and he's like, oh, okay. But then having a continual conversation, I think that's the thing that most parents or people re don't realize is it's a continual build of education with your children. It just doesn't have to be right there. And then they pick up and they say stuff and uh, hopefully, at least mine, he's, he's, he has like half of preteen brain and the other half is like, get it. Okay. You're doing something right. Yes. Isn't that the beauty of it? Especially when you're a person living with HIV and you're open and having these lines of communication with your kids. I know me personally with my daughter, Imani, I'm always kind of blown away at how much control she has and how she's she feels really good about making good decisions. And that makes me happy. And even when she's over, well, throughout the years, of course, there's been many instances where I've had the opportunity to know that she's listening to me or she hears me, whether it's her spewing back some information about HIV or it's her talking about conversations that other students have, have had. And I mean, I can say, you know, Kim said five. I think probably one of the first times my daughter came back and said something to me about HIV and sex. I actually made a video about it. And then number two, she was seven. But um, just even hearing her, like, I guess one example I can give, she has literally just outright brought up sex and what it is and she honestly can can tell me you know like I mean like I know what it is I know that I'm not supposed to be doing that and people shouldn't be trying to do that with me and that's what I told them they shouldn't be talking about that and I love that for her and I love that for me because I was a young mom so I've been really adamant about doing things right because when I was young I did think that certain things were okay so it was easier for me to come out and have sex and this is a grown grown up teaching me these things and I, you know you get this label fast and that's not always the case a few things that I thought about was if we don't start having these conversations soon or early, your kids will come to you and make you realize that you should have been having this conversation earlier or sooner. So, you know, that's my advice, unsolicited advice from one parent to the next. Like, you know, talk to these kids and it doesn't have to be, you know, just outright. Um, and as an open, a very open advocate, I still have to have those intentional conversations with my mm -hmm. son because I'm thinking that he just going to catch it just because he's around and he hears it all the time. And then we get on a live one day and somebody asks him something. And I'm like, <laughs> you didn't know, I never taught you that. Oh, my God. So, you know, focusing a lot of my advocacy efforts, knowing that that starts here first, you know, with my own because what good would it be and while i'm helping the world you know i want to make mm -hmm. sure that my kids at home have the information as well um this comment young black girls are sexualized and adultified by society anyway so you have to have these conversations to keep them safe mm -hmm. absolutely 
um, anyone want to speak to that? Otherwise, I'm going to jump into what the Community Advisory Board was asking of us. Well, I was going to say also young men, too. Um, like, I, I think, yeah, learning a lot from TikTok and social media. Um, I think for me, I, I worry about, so I'm, I advocate for everyone, but I think, you know, being a female, of course, it was for me like, okay, female, female, female. And it, my perspective didn't change until I had my son. And I realized my son is 12, but you ever saw a picture of him, he looks like he's 15. And he talks like he's 15 or 16 or however you want to call it. And I had people look at him and was like, mm, and I'm like, <laughs> do not do that. <laughs> we won't be friends anymore. And it's because he has a mature you know, stature about him um, that we sometimes forget that there's older people who put like extra onto the boys as well. And then, you know, just like everybody is saying right now with social media and TikTok, it's crazy. Or even just Twitter. Twitter is off the chain. So if you don't know, go check Twitter. And if your kid has a Twitter account, I would really, I would highly suggest that you do not have a repeat of something that I, I went through because they be talking all up in the Twitter and I, oh, that's said the. Oh, I sound like my sister adding the the to, to stuff. Mm -hmm. um, all on Twitter and TikTok and everything because it's crazy. It's, yeah. it's crazy for an adult. So I can imagine what a 12-year-old is having an imagination just going crazy right now. There's this popular tweet on Twitter that says, you know, you have you know you have to look around before you open Twitter up. So that says a lot about what's going on in that app that just by opening up the app, you may the first thing you see on your timeline may be something that may be inappropriate for others around you or you may not want other people to hear. And for me, I want to say that conversation is gen in general is just so important. And I think this was kind of touched on a little bit, but every everything really has a lesson in it, even if it's something between the lines. And for me, I think when it comes to our children, it is really important for them to be able to have someone that they can openly communicate with, even if it's not going to be you. I think a lot of parents do a disservice when they think that, and, and, and Cece, you said, you know, somebody asked your son a question on the live and you're like, oh, you don't know that. But it's like, yeah, we think our children, you know, we know they're watching. They're always watching. And we do think they're always listening. But are they really, are they really hearing? Are they really grasping mm -hmm. those concepts that we're trying to teach through those words? And it just... Just it, it just really puts on us that it really is important for our kids to have somebody to talk to, being able to ask questions and making sure that they have understanding of the things that they're hearing. Because just because we say it don't mean they really understand what that means and um, even the thought that needs to be put behind some of the decisions that they make. And one thing I, I'd like to say to parents is, who do you want your child learning from? Because trust mm. and believe when they spend those seven to eight hours at school, they are learning more than that. just reading, math, language arts. And I know and I know this is true. I still remember the day I had to give a call to a school because I stayed right in the back of a school in my backyard, literally sat 
where you can see an elementary school. This is an elementary school. And I had to call the school one day because I see three kids doing inappropriate things behind the building. Mm -hmm. And when I call, I hear the person, they're like, no, that's a second grade class out there. And I'm like, well, it's the teachers are sitting right around the corner. Like I see mm -hmm. them, I'm trying to yell, but they can't hear me. I'm like, but the kids are back there. You can see I'm, as I'm on the phone, they're like, hold on. You can hear the walkie talkie things going and people walking, walking around. And then they finally meet up to where the kids are. And then they radio back like, oh, you know, we got them. And you see the mm -hmm. kids and they're like, oh my God, thank you so much. And I, that still sits with me. Like this is a second, you said second grade. And my daughter at the time was a fifth grader at that school. So it just shows that the conversation needs to happen early. Having conversations with your kids about what's going on. You know, I ask my daughter probably every day, has anybody touched you? You're, we had and we and we talk about our vagina. Has anybody nobody touched your vagina? And it's been time she said, Well, daddy touched it, but he had to wipe me. Now, this was the long ago because I've taught her how to wipe herself, and that's something that was very important to me. When my children turn about two, three, I start teaching them how to wipe yourself. Um, in a tub, bathing yourself. So when you go to places, nobody don't need to do these things. So you don't have to be confused on whether this mm -hmm. was inappropriate touch or no. When I send you off, you know how to do these things for yourself. You know how to wipe your bottom and you're good. I, I love that. That's such such an important point to bring. Um, so here I go, you know, as a mom of a adolescent boy, and I'm like Zion because they had, I found some messages in his phone that I did not like. He's 11, but as Kim was saying, they these kids are starting, they look older. You know, we're going through that. The voice is deep, everything. And the girl is a little older than him, but I was trying to explain to him that those two, eight, those two years right now make a world of difference. You're 11, she's 13. No, we can't do that. So when I found the messages in the phone or whatever, I'm like, well, you don't even know how to clean yourself properly, do you? I said, so you got this thing right here and then you got to clean the shaft and you got to lift up underneath of it and clean it. So he like turns around to the wall and pulls his pants down and comes back and is like, how you know? And I was like, wait, I don't know how to answer this. But I realized at that moment that I might not be the correct the right person to give him all of what he needs in this specific area and that's all right i'm just i'm trying to protect my baby you know i want other people babies protected and how disheartening is it to know that so many first sexual experiences happen at school i can say that for me so the fact that you're saying some other kids experienced at school and i know of another family but like how disheartening is that I think I'll speak for myself since we're talking about school. You already know half the drama last year. I thought I was going to have, uh, I thought my, oh, thought my brain was going to explode about the amount of things that was happening in my son's school. That wasn't, that has nothing to do with him personally, but that was just around with like sex parties on Google Meets and yeah. Sixth grade was crazy. I'm, you know, seventh grade so far is real calm, but sixth grade, ooh, and all the kids were, you know, in the house for two years because of the pandemic. So they didn't get that key development of being around other kids. 
um, then they see each other. They're not, they, they're, they're no longer chunky chubby. And now they're developed and girls have titties and boys, you know, got their morning wood and their all voices deep and they see and now things is getting tingly. And it was just for me, it was like overload. Like, again, I do this for a living, but it's different when it's your own child. And then to see, to talk to the people at the school and they're just like, We're, we have it under control. And I'm like, but my child told me, y'all didn't tell me. So thankfully I have a decent relationship. And I say decent, cause I know he'll say, we gossip, me and my kid, we'd be like, he'd be like, ma, let me tell you what happened. And I'd be like, oh, oh, oh. you know, and I'd be like, why, tell me more. And then I'd be like, mm, tell, tell me more. Oh, really? He was like, yeah, and then the girl got suspended. And I was like, well, where this going? And then, you know, I try to make it into a lesson, but then try to pull back because then he, he catches on when I'm like, well, what exactly is the school doing? Now you get, now you get acting like a parent. And it's like, oh, <laughs> damn it, I, lo- I lost it. And then like, he, so it's little things of like the sex party on Google Meets, the Zoom, they're using their school accounts to take pictures and then send it if they don't have a phone or messages that I've encountered. And this is somebody who me and my husband have all types of apps and gizmos of like explicit language will come up and then we'll get the alert and then we're checking like, uh oh, <laughs> what did you say? And it shows us this and cutting off Wi-Fi and disabling airplane mode. If you did not know, if you cut off the service, the kid can still go on and text through airplane mode. Learned that last year. Heads up. Um, it was a very, it was a very fun adventure in sixth grade, but you know, seventh grade is kind of calmer, but it's disheartening. It's like, you know, at one point you feel like, you know, you're doing the best you can. The other part, you feel like I'm failing. But, you know, I we both know that we're doing the best that we can with the education. And also he's 12. Like kids are going to be kids. And I'm, I think of me and what I was doing or what I was thinking of or what I was curious about at 12 and thir- well, maybe more 14 than 12. 12, I was still, I wasn't thinking about this. <laughs> So so much. It was more so of like 14, 15 and wanting to do things, but it wasn't to this magnitude. And we also didn't have this much accessibility to it at that age. So that's the other thing. We really have to adapt with the times because it's it's crazy. By the time you catch up, something else is happening. And now the only thing you could do is really trickle down to tell somebody else like, girl, look out. Because I think hopefully everybody else is doing that. I know I do that with my circle. They're like, look out for this, look out for that. Because if I don't have it, I don't know who. Like, I'm thankful for that. That other people tell me and I get to tell other people. And me with my high schooler, you know, the thing about me with school is I just try to be a realist. I just try to think about myself in school. I try to think about the things that I saw in school. I actually went to a school that our middle school and our high school was Together, but not together. We will cross paths a little bit. And I mean, things I saw behind the portables, um, behind the auditorium, um, behind the gym, you know, um, it was relationships with students and teachers that we knew about. So for me, dealing with my daughter, I have... I try to keep very good boundaries of like a little good mix of 
friend but parent and my daughter's the same way like Kim's son like okay god i need you to be a i need you to be my mm -hmm. friend right now like we have those hats she's like i need you to put on your friend hat please and we had those moments too where we're talking about things at the school and honestly i love that for us because i didn't have that with my grandparents we went to church three times a week you know you didn't really you didn't talk about sex and they assumed you wasn't doing it i guess i'm like <laughs> But um, yeah, you didn't talk about sex. You didn't get into those conversations. My grandmother was the type, if she caught me singing a song, you know, you didn't really yeah. get explained, you know, why this was inappropriate or maybe what these things mean, but rather kind of hit with something across the room, like stop singing that song, turn that song off, child. And then, you know, over time, it just helped me become sneakier and just a little more crafty with things. Like, okay, so... Get you need you a little a little uh personal little CD player that you can carry on. Gotta mm -hmm. ask that for Christmas so you can hide your CDs, listen to them on the way to school at the school bus. I mean, I had Trina down packed in the back of that bus, and I was like 12 years old, and I mean they were riding me up. But that taught me when I became a mom, talk to your children, you know, a song. Is, is a song. I may not want you listening to the explicit version, but you know, maybe you could dial it back and listen to the non-harmful version around me. I know when you go around me, I have to be real and know that you may not do what you were taught or trained mm -hmm. or whatever to do. That may not happen. You may literally walk from by me and people will think I am absolutely not the person that raised you. My, my grandmother, like I said, was a God-fearing woman. We were living in the church, church conferences. And it was funny because the stuff, it was going down at the church. At the church. At the church. We used to have what's called lock-ins. Baby, it got dirty at them lock-ins. <laughs> at the I'm church like, lock Yes. And I'm like, uh, well, I Y'all back there, they appealed it between the pews. It's going down. Only God knows. <laughs> or the church bus on the way to a church event. That was always something. Honey, School trip. The they were at the church in the church lock-in. Well, they would lock us in and we would have Bible study. And then when they say, oh, it's time to go to sleep. Sleep was not happening between those kids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was little kids there. So even when you go, when I'm in areas where you may meet people and they're, they're churchgoers and they're thinking like these conversations don't need to be had. It's like, baby, I went to a black church. These conversations need to be had because this is how armpit sex happens and armpit crabs and, and thing, these wild things that are going on around the world right now. Because people think that they're abstaining from sex by using their their throat or their butt or, you know. So for me, I try to be just very real. We try to have these open conversations. Mm -hmm. I, I try to give my daughter a good balance. Like, you can go places. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be off to the side. Y'all might can go to the mall and I'll be on the other side of the mall. But I try not to be like my grandmother and say, no, 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 no. And um, and not and 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 be tight lipped with certain conversations. I I know the importance of having somebody that's having a conversation, and it not being the you know leaving it up to uh, people their age who are telling them things that they have no idea about. I remember back in high school, the thing was in order to have a baby, you have to be on your cycle. Literally, that was the the the, the thing. Mm -hmm. And I had, and I, and I tried to get pregnant listening to that rumor. Literally, <laughs> family planning with another young boy. So that's why I say, with my daughter, conversations are not off limits. Mm -hmm. Come to me, 
go to another trusted adult, but she's aware of being the fact that she can be real with me and she can come to me and she we even have this safe saying where she comes to me aside from you know here you put on your friend hat but mom i i want to tell you something i know you're gonna be really mad at your period so can you just take a minute to breathe first and then you can't get mad after i said and i'm like okay and then she's like i think i want to have a boyfriend and so we go through that whole so what does it mean to have a boyfriend you know, why? Can you tell me why? You know, what has he? And we went through this whole thing. And then by the end of it, she was like, he don't even treat me like my dad. Mm -mm, I, don't, I don't know. Because you know what? You made valid points. I know what I know what love is. He just trying to tell me he loves me. But he was just mm -hmm. with another girl. And through that and all that gossip, we, we got through. And I got what I wanted in the end. So I was very excited. <laughs> you know how excited I felt when my son, I, so his phone goes, we're all sitting down. And we're like, okay, we're going to watch TV for 20 minutes. And then he's like, okay, I got two minutes. I got to go. And then we're like, what? He was in the middle of something. He gets up. You hear the phone. And I'm like, oh, he got a date. Okay. He's on it for 30 minutes. Come back out. Like nothing even happened. Picks back up. So now we're like, okay, I guess the conversation's over. So who's that your girlfriend? I don't do girlfriends. I'm like, what, 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 what do you do? He's like, I ain't ready for a girlfriend. I have friends. They know what it is. I'm like, you sure? It's like, listen, I tell them what I want. I tell them what I need. I'm not doing anything. If you if you think I'm doing it, I'm not. But I will tell you, I did kiss four girls before. And it's like, oh, okay, four? He's like, yeah. You know, I said, what time? Well, what was it? What were we doing? <laughs> like, we did two with tongue, two with picks. And I was like, mm, okay, I'm going to need you to wash up a little bit more because if they're a little bit close to you, you know, you can't be using conditioner as soap. Like, it's just like, you know, it's, so it's, it's like, you know, we have that love-hate, not love-hate, but like, you know, give a little, take a little back, but then also ask them again, like, hey, so the girls that you're talking to, like, you know, because I don't need my son to be, I'm not going to say the word, but you know, an F-boy. Because that, that's all I need. You know, I don't know if we can't curse here, so I'm not going to curse. But, you know, I don't even want to be one of them people. And, like, I'm like, I feel like when it comes to, y'all know the word. But, like, <laughs> it's, it's my job and my husband's job to help him, you know, with these conversations of even just, and it's not even just the boys that's pushy. It's the girls that be pushy. Oh, yeah. Little Very girl was like, I want you to choke me. And my son said, oh, you want me to choke you? I was like, yeah, I want you to choke me. I want you to do this. And he was like, all right, I'll do this, but I ain't going to do that. And I'll yeah. do this, but I'm not going to do that. And then, you know, one part was like, die, again, dying inside. But the other part was like, okay, I like how you maneuvered that. I like how you said, this is what I want. This is what I'm not going to do. This is what, and then it, instead of like skipping over it, because you have adults who won't even confront certain conversations. And it's like, even though at 12, I, I wouldn't think that, you know, I'm still thinking of me at 12 and what was happening with me. But I also realized, just like Aisha, I grew up in a church. My grandma, I was a whole PK kid. Grandma was a pastor. So, like, a lot of the things that I was exposed to, you know, was more so worried about don't get pregnant. And I'm like, I ain't even thinking about that. Or my grandma called me a whole manga. And I ain't even doing anything. So hey, hold on. Come, I, want, I need to interject. I want to talk with y'all. Can I? Oh, go ahead. 
<laughs> I no, wonder because no, no, no. that, that was the part I was so surprised that so far that has not been brought up. They're not getting pregnant part. Like that was is a woman that was not born with HIV. Um, I was negative up until my 20th year. So that was my HIV prevention, my birth control, my everything was don't bring no babies back here. And I figured out ways to get around that part, you know, like, you know, that calendar method, they're watching the rhythm of my period or pulling out or doing these other things that kept me from not bringing a baby into the world. You know, my Christian grandma didn't want to know that. <laughs> that we was having sex that was never addressed. So she never had those conversations with her children, which is my mom and them. And then in turn, you know, my mom was a little bit more open, but it wasn't the conversations that I, I might have benefited from a little bit more. Like, yo, you using condoms to protect yourself from this, this, and this, not just so that you're not mm-hmm. getting kids. Or this is the reason why you want to take care of this, this, and this. I didn't learn all the names of my body part, my vagina, like the inner and the outer, everything. After I had kids, after HIV diagnosis, after being married, I didn't know. I found the the hole that the pee came out of. I knew y'all always said that it didn't come out the same place, but I never had located it. We talked about a little bit earlier, you know, that the trauma of being untouched, I mean, being touched in certain ways that you weren't necessarily that you didn't want, you were too young for it. So the trauma that comes with that and not wanting anything to do with mm-hmm. that part of my body, but not being able to have that conversation or being able to process it with anyone around me. Um, I heard, I saw a yes, Portia. I really want to go back and see what Portia is said. Um, about the songs. Oh, yeah. Dirty Wine was my song. The song where they like, do it on the water, do it everywhere. And I was like, yes, I want to do it everywhere. And how detrimental that was to my own health. Um, yeah, Juvenile Back to This was the song of the year at our middle school dances. Mother, <laughs> put it in your mouth. Put it in your mouth. Is it, is it not weird? That when we're sitting here talking, and even something that I've even recognized is that it seems like those of us who were kind of held back from learning about sex were a little more uh, eager to learn about it or to talk about it outside of our homes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's something. And I want to go back to a point because, Kim, you said something about, you know, dying inside when you have those conversations with your kid. And me, I was thinking when you were mentioning, you know, something your son said and you had to address, I was thinking, you know, oh, yeah, that's when you go cry in the car. Like, you got to put up that strong front, but then I'm going to go cry in the car later. Like, I can't believe I'm at this stage. And I said it all the time. Like, I can't believe that. But it brought me to a point that I think it's so important. A lot of parents can probably learn this lesson, you know having that tough conversation with your kid and leaving Mm. yourself and your feelings out of it, but just trying to keep that truth at the core and then having an outlet because I know Mm. me, I have to call my best friend up sometime, one of my best friends. And I'm like, I just had this conversation with, and I'm just like so drained after because I had to say this, but I really wanted to say, heck no, and you don't need to do that. And and it's like, that is a natural response. You like literally birth this person, your For many of us that are good parents and that are really concerned about our children growing up and having a full life, you know, 
we that's a part of safety. It's like mm-hmm. I don't want to I don't want to have these conversations. I don't want you to be ready for that yet. But the reality is they're going to be ready whether we like it or not. And I've found that the more open conversations that you have with your kids, the less likely they are to go out there and want to have some experience because they have so much information to help them make their decisions. Like our kids are not dumb, you know, Mm -hmm. by long shot. They are little people that are really capable of making decisions. I mean, when you think about a 14 year old. In four years to the rest of the world, you are an adult. And unfortunately, if you're a young black man, by the time you were 12, you're an adult too. But we're not going to go there. That's a different conversation for a different (laughs) But the reality is, is that, again, going back, conversation is important. And having somebody as an outlet for yourself as a parent that you can go and talk to and kind of cleanse yourself after (laughs) you listen and have to tell your children something that's right when it's not the thing that you want to say as a parent. Like even conversations like this, open, vulnerable conversations, because there's some parent out there right now feeling like they can't open up and say what they're experiencing with their child when really many of us are dealing with similar issues around the same time. And sometimes, you know, I don't know. As a parent, you have these expectations of how your child is going to act. I think it's kind of piggybacking off of Aisha. And when their child is operating outside of that, you know, the embarrassment that comes from the parent or the shame or whatever, but this ain't about you. My um, therapist definitely helped me with that. That is a different person. You know, your kids are different people. You could teach them as much as you want to. They still are going to make their own decisions Mm -hmm. and you are not responsible for it. So as long as you've done your job, had that conversation, you know, for many people, they may look different. Maybe I do need to involve a mediator, a mentor, someone outside of me. But as long as those conversations are getting to the children, I feel like we've done our job. Identify that knowing okay. that because, like I said, a lot of parents think they you think you know what's right, and it's like thinking brushing off the conversation is right. And sometimes that's when you said before unsolicited advice. Sometimes you need those people sure who are going to give you unsolicited advice because it is going to help you in the long run. And you may not think in that moment, but a lot of us you're going to self reflect later. And I'm like that. You know, I may hear something and come on, tell me something I may need to hear. And that moment I may be like, girl, this is my child. <laughs> yeah. But trust me, at night when I'm in my room and I'm having a moment to myself and I'm reflecting, I'm going to be like, I need to take heed to that and make it work in a way that works for me. I may not have to do it exactly the way you said or address it exactly the way you said, but being mindful that. Somebody is trying to give me something that can help my child. And that's mm-hmm. what's important. And when you know, you know, I may not be the best person for this, but I know this person or I can reach out to this person. And and that's also why it's important to if you're somebody that you know something and you know you can create a resource or, you know, you might know about HIV and they don't talk about it in the schools, you know, make a video, do things. YouTube, the same way these kids use YouTube, parents you can use YouTube, too, and find tools and resources that are appropriate for their children and you know, knowing a, another adult, a trusted adult. And that's why it's so important as a, adults, too. We don't be all 
standoffish. You may not need to make friends, but making um, alliance. Yeah, alliance and uh, meeting people who they may be in a place where they can have a conversation with your child, and that's what they like to do. And they'll help them to understand safe sex and healthy mm -hmm. relationships and all of those things that you as a parent may not be ready to tell your child and, and, and stand on it. It may need to be somebody else. And I think another good point is knowing that there's a difference between promotion of sex and having to talk about relationships and your body and um you know, whether or not a, a child is ready for sex, though, all of those things are so important because folks think just having a conversation, facilitating a conversation is promotion. No, promotion is telling a child to go out there and encouraging a child to have sex or you're bringing a young boy, an older woman to get him to understand his body and his manhood and his sex. That's promotion of sex. But there's a difference in educating your child and making sure that they have the information. Mm -hmm. This this is what your body is. This is what, you know, a safe touch is. This is, I mean, I could go on and on, but I just really wanted to, to, yeah, go in on those points. I think it's so important to know there's a difference because I was groomed and I, I know what grooming looks like. And, and that is telling the child that, oh, no, that's okay. And doesn't this feel good? See, it's not bad. That That's promotion that's grooming telling the child sex feels good it's like that's not the conversation we want to have I, it may do feel good but <laughs> that's not that's from there's a, a very big difference between getting a child prepared and promoting this conversation should be longer than an hour because we have <laughs> there are like so many great comments coming up and down y'all are dropping gems up and down the cab has submitted so many, you know, great points. Um, I was just thinking about how <laughs> it, I don't know, this conversation, it got to keep happening. The porn piece keep coming up. And well, it kind of took me for a loop. Um, it's in other people's and their kids, right? So I had an incident where my child says that another child introduced porn to them. I go back to the other parent because I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. Other parent don't believe me. So now me and other parent <laughs> can't co be co-friends or whatever in all of this thing because I'm telling you about your child. I'm going to handle what I need to over here mm -hmm. about my child. But you are so defensive and so set on the fact that your child wouldn't be doing this. Okay. Got it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Got it. Um, we had an incident last couple months ago, and it, it got blown the hell up with the school. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh my god, what did I do? Then I thought about it and I said, I know my child. And it wasn't one of those like where you hear the parents like, I don't like it. No, I know my kid. <laughs> He'll do some things, but he ain't gonna do that. And I'm really thinking like, all right, you got all. The stuff that you do to monitor and it's like even though you can't monitor every single thing i'm thankful to have an apple phone right and a mac because everything goes you it's in the cloud it ain't going nowhere it is stuck there and we grabbed up some stuff and took the evidence and brought it to the parent and showed them like this is this is the screenshots of what the, what this kid said and what that kid said your kid this is what the, this is their number this is what happened. 
And it was like, at first they didn't believe because when we came, it was just a regular conversation and it made it look like it was one-sided. And, you know, I think when you come with certain proof and when you have that conversation, but also like knowing, being open to, there's a possibility that there's a bigger story or there's a possibility that, you know, like we said before, sometimes your kid doesn't listen or it's not taking heed. They hear you, but they might not listen to you. And understanding like, you know, which the body language to your children, being there for your kid. I, I'm I'm blessed and I'm lucky, but I also know I have one and I can imagine how it is to have two, three. You can't keep up and it gets more difficult. So, and I'm also somebody who made sure that I stayed home within the last year because I wanted to make sure that that transition into middle school was going to be smooth and it damn sure was not. But <laughs> So I can see the things that was going to happen and at least be there for that moment. I might not, I'm not, may not be here forever. I'm not going to be here forever, but at least in this couple, this, I could do my best to give you as much education as I can and pop back up to school and complain to the school as well. So like, even for me, one of my biggest things is going to the school and knowing what the laws are, knowing what's going on with the curriculums, knowing what bills is about to be passed or at least trying to get passed. And I go to the schools and I ask like, what are you doing around sex education? I know that in sixth grade, y'all should be talking about this. I know in seventh grade, y'all should be offering this. But my child is saying, y'all not doing that. And when it comes to like, even in New York, it's no sex education mandate to be talking to the kids. Like when it comes to HIV, yes, there's seven mandated lessons that they're supposed to learn, but nobody is... It, there's no checks and balances. Nobody's going up to say if they're actually doing these lessons. And the lessons that they're giving is poor as hell. It's not even the correct education that they're supposed to be doing for the children. And I know a lot of parents is not going up to the school to advocate for this. And I think that's a lot of the, the piece that we talk about school, we talk about church, we talk about the, we talk about porn. But honestly, like a, I, I would hope that a lot of us as parents or just educators can be able to go into the schools and really request and let them know like, and tell them like my kid is here you need those numbers for your funding what are you doing and like I want to be a part of that or at least tell me if I can't come and show like show up like what's going on and I think that's a, a big piece that most parents kind of forget at the same time well I personally stay in a, a bible belt state in Florida so you know it's abstinence only conversations here there's the sex education it's not comprehensive at all and we've already discussed I think throughout this conversation that sex education goes well beyond you know letting kids know about HIV and STIs mm -hmm. it's also you know um teaching them about their body, their body parts, mm -hmm. consent, and what that means. Um, even grooming, that's also important. It's especially important for parents who have children that are in high school because, you know, you're at that, that age, they get to that weird age where, like my daughter, for example, my daughter's bigger than me. When we're out, <laughs> you know, when we're out, you have men that are trying to, they don't know if they're trying to talk to me or her. And she's like, and I'm like, this is a kid. Like, what's wrong? Like, what's wrong? And it's, but the reality is their body isn't giving off kid to, to people. So I think going back to the discussion about porn and so with we're in this age where technology is 
accessible at our children's fingertips. You know, porn is not just something that is on the internet. They're sending each other pictures and videos and kids are dropping. I know my daughter probably like two or three weeks ago, somebody dropped a, a video of somebody else um, of, a, of a girl at the school. And my daughter told me, she said, I didn't accept it because I, I knew what it was because everybody was talking about it. And um, I guess, you know, when we're, when we're talking about porn and what our children are, is learning from that, we already know that they're really learning um, incorrect messaging and visuals when it's relating to sex. And I think the conversation when it comes to porn and even saying going back to school and, and wondering, you know, sex ed, how do you know, how is porn addressed? I think in no school will it porn really ever be addressed in any type of sex education. And again, like we've said, sex education is so broad. There's so many different topics, so many different things that, you know, where it'll come up where you're going to have to have an uncomfortable conversation where sex is at its core. And I think it just goes back to what a lot of people are saying in the comments, you know, having these conversations, because again, when our children leave from with us, it doesn't matter what we've instilled into mm -hmm. them. They're going to be met with all these different temptations at school, right? The mm -hmm. choice to accept an airdrop of somebody's boobs or a, of another child, you know, mm -hmm. um, to, to decide if they're going to be in the group that's on Pornhub watching watching a video or sending around the links. And um, it, I, again, I think it just all goes to open lines of communication and really understanding that the more you instill in your children and, and it could be appropriate to you, you know, you can, it's, it's a way of having conversations with your children where it can feel comfortable to you and you don't even have to cross your boundaries, you know, just being able to even speak on it is what's important. And your kids will learn so much from that, from knowing that, you know, well, I learned this because I've had this conversation with my mom. My mom told me about, you know, about sex and it's not just about feeling good and it's not about, you know, physical touch and all those things that sex is a, a real decision where I have to be emotionally and mentally ready. And these are the things that they learn when you have these open conversations with them and being able to reroute your child from not even not saying that, you know, you can stop them from having sex, but getting them to understand in their head that this is much bigger than just physical contact. You know, how do you feel about this person? How do they make you feel? What have they done that have that, that has um, ha have you feeling like you need to, um, to have sex in order? Like what is happening if you have sex? What what changes? And then through those conversations and questions, they can decide, you know, well, maybe this isn't something I'm, I'm ready for. Or it, it, it does the complete opposite of what we often think is happening when we have the conversation. But then even just flipping it back onto them and asking them, like, you might not feel that is a difference, but what do you think they might feel? Yeah. Because you might feel that this is one way. But again, with my, I think of my son with his friends that he might have. That's not girlfriends, but it's like, what does she think? You talking to her for a half an hour at 9.30 at night. 
what is she thinking? You're talking with her continuously. You're buying her a four for four from Wendy's. You know, what is she getting from that? Like, what do you think people are explaining? Like, how do you think people are giving her that message? You know? But so I got to interject like, and really roll back in a little bit because you, we are, I'll just say, very women that are self-aware, right? Parents that are mm-hmm. self-aware. So earlier in the conversation, Aisha mentioned, you know, healthy relationships. We're talking about, you know, maneuvering other systems, um, you know, outside of the school and everything. A lot of people, like, there may be parents out there that don't know that they're even in an unhealthy relationship to even be able to give that, you know, to their child or to be able to come out and open that conversation. Um, when we talk about sex ed within the schools, uh, yes, I think that it should be there. I think that there should be something. When I was in school, we just got the nasty bump pictures that they showed, but that was it. Um, but I think that that is also like a, a whole village like type of conversation um, with with trusted individuals. So with my son, I might lean on auntie sometimes. I might lean on, you know, dad and uncle for other times. But because I don't feel like I don't feel like that the conversation could just end with me and I sometimes, you know, it may even be displaying some behaviors that are not healthy for, even though my intention is well and everything. But yeah, the best thing I can tell you is to put on a condom and to, you know, get your partners tested. <laughs> you know, you're 12. Like, am I telling you that? You know, um, and it's hard. But knowing that I have other moms, other parents out here that are experiencing, you know, things that are similar. Um, that's so helpful. I'm going to go ahead and take a shot at this question. How does a parent respond if their child wants to go to a sleepover but may be interested in the same sex? Y'all got it. I'm not answering it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think we all can. <laughs> okay. Um, I kind of think it's the same thing if it was, even if they was interested in the opposite sex. It's knowing that if you are somebody who is having this continual conversation, because I think that's the other thing that we we're, we say it, but we're not intentional on what we're saying. Continual conversation. We're building this conversation with our children mm-hmm. um, and even the children around us is that we hope that maybe something lands. Having a conversation, not just about, you know, your pleasures, your desires, and like your feelings, but also understanding boundaries for yourself and also boundaries for others and explaining that to your child. I think that it would go the same if they was having feelings for the opposite sex as well when you're in a different space. So I think it's just knowing what like, you know, what's appropriate, what's not, but then also letting them know and giving them permission that, you know, sometimes you might get these urges doesn't mean that you should act on them all the time. Maybe have this conversation with yourself. Do you think this is an appropriate space? Think about the friendship with that person. Like, there's boundaries to cross, but that's also a conversation that you got to think about where your child is at mentally, where their age are. So it's like it's different levels to different conversations because, again, I think of 12, but the same conversation I would have with him at 12 would not be the same conversation I would have with him when he was seven and having a sleepover. So it, but it would just be gradually building up because I know that he's going to have another, it's going to be a conversation again, maybe at an older 
hopefully I would be, he'd be listening, <laughs> but, you know, gradually building up and some more and some more, and it'll be the same conversation. I think for me, myself, it, it would be the same. Definitely agreed. I do not believe the conversation changes because of the sex. I think it's actually kind of <laughs> ignorant of a parent to think that the conversation should change based on the sex because um, STIs are majority of them are skin to skin contact. Mm -hmm. So you don't, it doesn't even require that extra. So even if your children are same sex, you know, do you know how same sex <laughs> sexes can have intercourse? So that means there's still that skin to skin contact too. And even me as a parent, my daughter, she laughs at me all the time because <laughs> she was like, it's all girls. I'm like, as if girls aren't gay. <laughs> and that's what I'll say to her. And that's why I'm like, girls like girls too. They don't mean, I'm like, that is the best way to, to, um, <laughs> to fool your parent. And, and that was me. Like when I was a child, I was, I was fluid as heck. I was dating girls. I was dating boys and I was in high school. So with me, if I showed up to the sleepover, it's like, um, what I like here too, if it's just girls, I mean, what you mean? I, so, so it's like being real. And then I, and then I want to circle to another um, question I saw come up because I think it has something to do with it. And Portia asked basically, you know, about having that conversation about pleasure with your children. And do you think that's important? And I wanted to say that for me, it, it all it goes back to those questions about like, you know, what is promotion of sex versus it's all in how you frame things in the mm -hmm. conversations that you're having with your child. And I know me personally, I have literally stated to my daughter, again, I think I've said this already, that, you know, yes, sex feels good. You know, mm -hmm. I would not say that and confirm that because that's what she's hearing from school, from the kids that are getting getting up, getting around and doing those things. And but I have to add context to that because we talk about some of the girls who have had sex and some of them are already on multiple partners because they mm -hmm. had sex with dude. And she's like, oh, he's not even with her anymore. He's with. So I'm like, so what do you think? Why do you think that is, you know, and. And these are the different messages that our kids are getting because you may have a boy that's getting a message that it is okay for him to have sex and sex confirms his manhood. But mm -hmm. whereas a girl may be just getting that message as you better not be having no sex. You better not bring a baby back yep. in my house. Yep. And it's like, we all know, again, it goes back to what I said. Kids hear you, but are they really hearing you? Are they really putting logic to what you're saying? And Cece said, you know, they may not be trying to have a baby, but they're getting around mm -hmm. the way. So you said not to have a baby. I'm not having a baby. You said, you know, not to have sex, which is a, a man and a woman. Well, I'm doing it with girls or I'm doing this. And it's like, <laughs> no, pleasure is a part of sex. And kids are going to find that out on their own. But it's up to you as a parent to provide that context of why this happens and I and again I love that me and my child can have these gossip moments because through that gossip we're able to again get to where I want to go because I'm able to use previous conversations that they she's had and be able to draw from that and say so what that means is she's like yeah I'm not gonna be the next one they're not gonna be talking about me around the school and I'm like no, that's right <laughs> in my head I'm like 
But in her face, I'm like, you know, that's your choice. I mean, <laughs> you're gonna be the one that you know that. <laughs> but in my in, inside, I'm like, <laughs> I love that. I love that, y'all. We at the top of the hour, so what I want to do is remind everyone about this survey, the evaluation that we have for today's episode, which I think really deserves a part two because we could have kept going and going and going. And I'm so grateful for Aisha and Kim to both be here and to provide so much great insight. I've learned a lot. I might want to go have a conversation tonight. I think when we get out of school because some things I want to make sure that I've conveyed. But to everyone else, thank you so much for joining us today for the 24th episode of A Girl Like Me Live. Join us again next month um, where we'll be discussing another wellness issue regarding women in HIV. Thank y'all and I hope that you have a great, great day.